You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is not Star Trek, but it would be a little more fun if we could have some more Star Trek up in here. Am I right? Today is Monday, December 20th, 2021. And this is episode 282 of the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back if you are a regular listener, and welcome to the show if you are a first-time listener. I would advise you highly to go ahead and hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer, or you can go to thegarrettashleymulletshow.com, sign up for email alerts whenever new episodes drop. A question, too, for those who have checked out the website Tell me if you ever find something broken, but if you look at it on the mobile version, are you able to play podcast episodes from the posts? And this question came up over the weekend. My wife was going to send my episode last week about that's the meaning of Christmas Charlie Brown to my father-in-law. And she was going to send the WordPress post because everything's configured visually and it looks nice and all that. But at least looking at it on her phone, there didn't appear to be a way to play the episode, which is unfortunate. Uh, I'm going to have to work on that. If that's a problem that everybody has when they look at it in the mobile version, I'm going to have to maybe find a different plugin for podcast player than the one I've been using. I would be uh, sad to have people coming to the com and only able to read. But then again, with luck, the reading bit is just as good as the audio content. And so if you could, if you have a chance, look up the com on your mobile device. Tell me if you find something broken on either the mobile or the desktop version of the website. Sign up for email alerts. You'll get episodes right in your email inbox whenever they drop. But enough about that for the time being. My playing of that little sound clip at the top of this episode, we are the Borg, prepare to be assimilated. Resistance is futile. That, of course, is from Star Trek The Next Generation, which is the Star Trek generation that I grew up on. That was my favorite TV show growing up. If anybody ever asks, you know now. That was my favorite TV show growing up. Legos were my favorite thing to play with, and Star Trek The Next Generation was my favorite show to watch. And if I was in trouble, I was probably going to get grounded from one or both of those things. 
that was typically how it went. But the Borg, I remember feeling so creeped out by as a kid, not just because they're a machine, but they're also people, but they're individuals, but they're also a collective and they all speak as one like legion in the gospels. Jesus encounters this man who is inhabited by not just a demon, but a lot of demons. And they speak to him through this man that they are dwelling in. And they say, we are legion. And one imagines, I imagine, that the sound of we are legion being spoken was the sound of a lot of voices, kind of like the Borg. But on a more serious note, not that that's not serious, we are legion, but on a more serious note than Star Trek, I'm reminded of the Borg with the drive towards collectivism in our political processes, in our culture, in the way that we handle disagreement. Cancel culture has a lot in common with the Borg. This groupthink, internet outrage machine has a lot in common with the Borg. And with some algorithms and some clever manipulation of statistics, big tech and big media and more to the point, the big political parties, which are actually corporations, which have a parasitic need to sustain themselves even at the expense of the host, even if they kill the host, so long as they survive to latch onto something else, someone else, it's all the same to them. They have a lot in common with this, we are the Borg, prepare to be assimilated, resistance is futile, business, this this whole shtick from Star Trek. And I think part of what I really loved about Star Trek The Next Generation, just to back up a little bit, why I enjoyed that show so much is, for one, you have some great actors and you have some great characters and you've got this diverse host of individuals. And they work together as a team to accomplish missions, to explore to go where no man has gone before, to seek out new life and new civilizations. And sometimes they get attacked because they're seen as a threat. They're encroaching on someone else's territory or their influence is meddlesome and not particularly welcome by some malevolent actor or organization or race or what have you, but they they don't all think the same. They don't all see things the same way. The crew of the Starship Enterprise does not all think as one all the time. They have back and forth. And a common feature, not a bug, but a feature of episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation was this grappling with, okay, here's the problem. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to do this? If we do this, well, then this, 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 and this are going to happen. If we don't do anything, then this, this, and this are going to happen. And if we do this other thing, well, then you get the picture, right? So they come to decisions 
together. The captain has the final word, or if he's indisposed, then first mate, first officer has the next uh, down command. He takes the helm. He takes the command of the ship. And if he's out of commission, well, then it's going to be the next senior officer. So there's authority, and there is structure, and there is a command succession plan but there's also a desire within that framework of the captain having authority, the first officer, number one, <laughs> having authority. There is also a culture of let's talk about what is going on here before we make a final decision. The captain reserves the final decision, but let's talk about what the implications are. Let's really assess this from as many angles as we can, time permitting, and let's think about what our principles are, what are our orders, what are what are we going to do together? And they don't always agree. And sometimes when one member of the crew has a really strong objection to a certain course of action, sometimes things don't go their way. And sometimes... They see something before everybody else does, and they say, hey, wait a second, this is not a good idea. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but their having stated the objection on the front end paves the way for the realization dawning on everybody else once they get up to speed, once an additional piece of evidence that's a little bit more clear, a little bit more concrete, confirms the concern, the hesitation, the objection that the one member of the crew had, well, then increasingly you start to see the consensus shift. It had been, hey, let's do this, regardless of what this officer or this whatever member of the crew wanted or thought. It shifts if that plan perhaps doesn't work or if it blows up in everybody's face, like they the one objecting dissenting voice had predicted it might or would then they start saying well wait a second okay did somebody else have a plan yes that's right remember when beverly crusher stated an objection she she stated an objection early on in these discussions let's go back to her and talk with her and ask her what she thinks we should do now right did commander wharf lieutenant wharf uh, have an objection well, let's go back to him and let's ask him what he thinks now, right? But the Borg don't work that way. The Borg do not operate on that kind of a dynamic. The Borg are a hive mind. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. We're going to assimilate everybody. There is no more individual. It's all collectivism, 100% collectivism to the extreme. And... You don't get to object to joining the collective. To give you some idea of what it's going to be like to be in the collective, if they do assimilate you, you don't get a choice as to whether to join the collective. The collective decides for you whether you're going to join the collective. And then, if they get you, they're going to decide how to dispose of you. But between the two, which would you rather live in? Which would you rather inhabit? Would you rather be a crew member on the Starship Enterprise, or would you rather be some little node in the Borg Collective? 
It's, there's no question, really. There's not really any, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any hesitation. You should prefer to be a member of the crew of the Starship Enterprise, period. And more to the point to develop this idea further, if you are a member of the Starship Enterprise crew, whether you're in charge of the ship or you're just a lowly crew member doing some seemingly menial task, which needs to be done, but is not prestigious, doesn't have all the power and the glitz and the shine of some of the others. You're a red shirt, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if you are a member of the crew and a Borg cube rolls up and wants to assimilate you, all your base are belong to them. Uh, you fight like hell to make sure that you don't get assimilated, that your crew doesn't get assimilated, that your ship doesn't get taken over. That's what it is. And, and that's a, a world of difference than, on the one hand, being a part of the Borg Collective and you have no individuality and you get no say-so and you get no decision in this. And on the other hand, being a part of a team that is working together, a crew that is working together, uh, which may disagree back and forth, which may have an independent idea every now and then, and be thankful when plan A doesn't work, that there was a plan B, that people were free to communicate these ideas, express these reservations, express these concerns. Now, all of that said, in light of we are Borg, prepare to be assimilated, resistance is futile. I want you to consider the senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin. Take a listen to this back and forth exchange between Senator Joe Manchin and Brett Baer on Fox News Sunday. Brett Baer now taking over for Chris Wallace. Uh, I've always said this, Brett, if I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. I have tried everything I know to do. And uh, the president has worked diligently. He's been wonderful to work with. He knows I've had concerns and, and, and the problems I've had. And Now, there we have it. That's a no. This is a no. Now, to be very, very clear, senators and congressmen and congresswomen are not elected to the United States Senate or the House of Representatives to rubber stamp whatever it is that the president wants. They are not elected to rubber stamp whatever it is that their party decides they want. They're not elected even to rubber stamp whatever it is that ABC News, supposed news, hosts and commentators want. Here's another clip. 
Some breaking news. Uh, Senator Manchin has just said that he is a firm no on this legislation. Uh, so let me ask you, Rachel, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, but you had been uh, saying for some time you thought it was a matter of if, I mean, not a matter of if, but when uh, this legislation passed. What do yeah. you think now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to reassess that prognosis. <sighs> Come on, man. You're killing me, Smalls. How dare he? John Carl over at ABC News announces that Joe Manchin is going to say no. That's a hard pass from Joe Manchin. And we've got ABC News panel providing the very sophisticated, very elegant, very erudite, insightful commentary. I thought you said this was going to pass. Well, I guess um, it didn't. It won't. I was wrong. Oh. Why Why do we have you on again? Why, why are you on again now? For another hot take, I give you Jake Tapper. Joe Manchin of West Virginia has just said he is a no on President Biden's cornerstone legislation, Build Back Better. Take a listen. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. I have tried everything I know to do. Joining us now exclusively to react, the man managing the legislation, Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders of Vermont, um, so, Senator Sanders, Chairman Sanders, Senator Manchin says he can't get there. This is a no. He's tried everything. What's your reaction? Well, I think he's going to have a lot of explaining to do to the people of West Virginia to tell them why he doesn't have the guts to take on the drug companies and lower the cost of prescription drugs, why he is not prepared to expand home health care. West Virginia is one of the poorest states in this country. you got elderly people and disabled people who would like to stay at home or forced into nursing homes. He's going to have to tell the people of West Virginia why he doesn't want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and eyeglasses. I've been to West Virginia a number of times, and it's a great state, beautiful people. But it is a state that is struggling. And he's going to have to tell the people of West Virginia why he's rejecting what the scientists of the world are telling us, that we have to act boldly and transform our energy system to protect future generations from the devastation of climate change. You know, what's going on now, Jake, in Washington is the big money interests are pouring hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure that we continue to pay the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs that the rich do not start paying their fair share of taxes. And I would have hoped that we could have had at least 50 Democrats on board who have the guts to stand up for working families and take on the lobbyists and the powerful special interests. We have no Republican support. Not one Republican in the United States Senate or the House, for that matter, is prepared to stand up to the drug companies or the insurance companies or the wealthy. I would hope we would have had 50 Democrats. Mm -hmm. But if that is the case, then I hope that we will bring a strong bill to the floor of the Senate as soon as we can and let Mr. Manchin explain to the people of West Virginia why he doesn't have the guts to stand up to powerful special interests. Oh, so you want to vote on it no matter what, even even if... Absolutely. Absolutely. The American people have got to understand what is at stake. For decades now, what Congress has been doing, giving tax breaks to the rich, 
not standing up to the drug companies so that we end up paying the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs, ignoring climate change. The president of the United States and mm-hmm. almost every Democrat is trying finally to address these issues. Did you know and this Mr. was coming? Mr. Manchin doesn't want to support us. Well, look, we've been dealing with Mr. Manchin for month after month after month. But if he doesn't have the courage to do the right thing for the working families of West Virginia and America, let him vote no in front of the whole world. Let him vote no in front of the whole world. Well, I think he just went on TV and said, that's going to be a no for me in front of the whole world. We're talking about it, right? What a weird bait, too, that Bernie Sanders throws out there. He doesn't have the guts. He doesn't have the courage. Come on, you chicken. It's like that scene in uh, A Christmas Story where... (laughs) Kids are out front of the school arguing about whether the tongue is going to stick to the frigid flagpole if they lick it when it's freezing outside. Come on, I triple dog dare you. What are you, chicken? What is that, right? What, What is that? You don't have the courage to vote on this. No, it's not courage. It actually takes a great deal more courage to say no. One word, two letters, N-O. No. No. And the crazy thing is, this is not a shocker. Like, this is not a a big surprise out of nowhere. (gasps) What? Right? Except to people who are unaccustomed to hearing the word no. They think that if they get the slimmest of majorities, I mean, imagine that it takes one senator, one United States senator to say no. That's how weak their majority is in the U.S. Senate. It takes one Democrat saying, I can't get behind this. I can't sign off on this. I can't vote with you guys on this. And that's it. But it takes more courage to say, I can't do this in good conscience, guys. I know my party wants this. I know the president of the United States, who is of my party, wants this. I know that the ABC News panelists are going to groan audibly when the news breaks as a way of trying to bring the rest of their viewership along in believing that this is a terrible idea. I know that Jake Tapper is going to trot out Bernie Sanders who is the, did I hear that right? The chairman of the Senate Budget Committee? Well, that explains a lot. You have a communist as the chairman of your budget committee. Of course, you're going to have fiscal irresponsibility. Here's your five-year plan. And what happened to the Soviet Union again? Oh, that's right. They went bankrupt. They ran out of money. They collapsed economically because communism doesn't work. But Jake Tapper is going to trot out Bernie Sanders to engage in schoolyard tactics to try and pressure Joe Manchin. Come on, chicken. I triple dog dare you. YOLO. Come on. But the whole business is a sad statement on 
our political process right now and where we're at culturally. The idea that a senator would say, I'm voting no on this, should not be scandalous. It shouldn't be controversial. It shouldn't be surprising. It shouldn't be shocking. Actually, I think historically, speaking of the right side of history, historically, future generations are going to look back on this period of time. I at least hope and I pray. And they're going to be appalled that so much groupthink led so many of us to just go along with things that we knew were not good ideas. These are not good ideas. And what are we creating as far as the culture of this ship of state when individual crew members say, hey, you know what? I have a really big concern with the course of action as planned, as stated. And instead of the captain saying, well, state your objections. Let's hear it. And listening and requiring the rest of the crew to listen up as these objections are stated, you have this monstrosity of pressure campaign. Let's get you on board with this. Instead of, hey, what are your objections? And can we mitigate those objections by working with you? They would rather just hammer on this one key. There's no nuance. There's no elegance. There's no substance. What does this legislation, what does the Build Back Better legislation with regards to infrastructure have to do with prescription drug costs? And what does it have to do with climate change? Really? I know in the minds of Democrats, they see the clock ticking. They see that... The polling numbers look very, very bad for them in the midterms. 2022, November of 2022, Democrats are going to get taken to the cleaners, they think, unless something really, really surprising happens. They're going to lose their slim majority in the Senate, probably, and they might lose the House too. And I hope they do. I hope they lose the House and the Senate, and that between the two, the United States Congress effectively neuters Biden's agenda. But they see the clock ticking, they see the polling numbers, and they know that this is the only shot they've got to throw everything and the kitchen sink into a big spending package and try and get everything they ever wanted all accomplished at the same time. We'll call it all infrastructure. It's all infrastructure. Social engineering, yeah, infrastructure. Promotion of gender theory, transgenderism, activism, reforming our election process so that Democrats have a chance, even though their ideas are wildly unpopular and out of step and damaging and destructive and wrongheaded. Yeah, infrastructure, definitely. And yet, as much as we could harp on Democrats writ large, I think it's worth taking note of the example that Joe Manchin is setting here. Now, I don't believe that I'm going to agree with Joe Manchin on some very important issues. But 
I can respect the courage that it takes that he's demonstrating in making an independent decision here with a view to, I have a responsibility to my constituents. I'm supposed to represent West Virginians and not just the Democrat party. According to the most recent polling, 74% of West Virginians oppose Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden's build back better plan. It's going to drive inflation even higher. Inflation is a very nefarious, underhanded form of taxation. Everything is already more expensive than it was a year ago. Inflation is not just transitory, according to the experts. Inflation is here to stay with the way that money is being spent, with the way that the supply of everything else has decreased relative to the supply of money because politicians only know how to spend their way out of problems in a big government climate like we find ourselves in. Given the circumstances, we don't need less Joe Manchins saying no. We need more Joe Manchins saying no. We can't afford it. We don't have the money. It's not there. No, this is a bad idea. Be the adult. Be the adult who still has their wits about them and still has some convictions, who still has a conscience. Be those adults who are willing to say, no, no. And if you're on the other side of this equation, even if you think that this build back better thing is all that it's cracked up to be, it's a good idea, you should be very, very concerned about what it will mean for our national security, for our domestic tranquility, for truth, justice, and the American way, if we rid ourselves of every dissenting voice, every person who would say, I don't agree with this. If we punish those people, if we destroy those people, if we follow those people into the restroom and videotape them and harass them and scream at them in public places until they knuckle under, until they agree to being assimilated because we are Borg, we are in a very, very insecure place. And I don't just mean that spiritually, and I don't just mean that intellectually, and I don't just mean that relationally. I mean objectively, concretely, pragmatically, practically, economically, militarily. We're in a very, very dangerous place if we're not willing to listen to a dissenting voice. And he has every right to vote no. Period. End of discussion. If you don't like it, well, run against him in West Virginia or come up with a better argument or talk him into it. Or if you don't like his position on this, maybe you could try working with him instead of saying, no, you're going to do what I want. Or you're going to do what we want. I think it's very sad that Democrats are preferring to try to discredit Joe Manchin instead of listening to him. Because Joe Manchin is 
a Democrat who would actually give the Democrats a fighting chance. I mean, on the one hand, I'm sad to see the Democrats trying to ostracize him, isolate him, demonize him. Because if more Democrats were like Joe Manchin here, our country would be in a much better place. Riddle me this too. How does it make sense that you're for democracy and we want to eliminate all threats to democracy, but when you have a United States senator who is duly elected, it would seem, I certainly should hope so, when he's duly elected and his duties are such and such, you don't accept that. How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense, quite simply. Joe Manchin isn't the president, but that's just it. Our episode from yesterday, Kamala Harris losing her temper in that interview with Charlemagne the God. You can go back and listen to that as well if you like. But Charlemagne the God, so-called, so-named, as he styles himself, asked the vice president, whose name is Kamala Harris, who is the president? Is it Joe Biden or is it Joe Manchin? And to be fair to Kamala Harris, it's an, it's an obnoxious question. That also is a schoolyard taunt. Civics 101. Not only the president has a vote here, has a decision to make here, has authority here. Three branches. Executive, legislative, judicial. They're supposed to be a check and a balance on each other to where you don't have one branch running away with the ball, making decisions which are not good for the country. You have accountability. You have perhaps a single solitary senator from West Virginia able to say no. And that forces the rest of the crew to say, okay, wait a second. All right. What, what are your objections? Can we work with you on those things? I mean, clearly, this is not an infrastructure bill. This is, let's throw everything into the kitchen sink and call it infrastructure. Has the thought occurred to Democrats that maybe, just maybe, they should pare down? Maybe it's not all or nothing. Maybe you don't get everything you want and get to railroad and steamroll everybody with a different idea who has an objection to certain pieces of your program. Has the idea occurred to you that maybe you have to work with the people across the aisle? It's so funny. Rather than working with Republicans who comprise half the Senate and a significant portion of the House, rather than trying to work with them, hey guys, what do you want to see? The Democrats would rather operate on the thinnest of razor margins to where a single vote, you can't get any narrower than that. A single vote, no, by a member of your party, throws the whole thing into disarray. Come on. As an aside, or maybe more to the point, we need to get better at listening to voices who object. And I think Joe Manchin's objection was respectfully stated, calmly, even keeled. 
Here's a simple principle. If I can't in good conscience go back to my constituents who voted me into office and explain why I voted yes on this, I'm not doing it. What a novel concept. Now, I may not agree with all of what Joe Manchin's conscience will or will not permit him to do, but I appreciate someone, anyone, saying that is more important to them, whether their conscience is going to permit them to say yes or no to something, is more important to them than however much abuse they're going to take from the talking heads, from jokers in their own camp, in their own party. We need more people like that in this country. Even if we don't all agree, even if I don't all always agree with those people, I should rather be coming to decisions with other people who have the courage of their convictions, who are making a good faith effort, not trotting out, do it for the children, not trotting out manipulative, dishonest allegations of bad faith. If you don't support my plan, then you want black people to die because you're secretly a racist. If you don't support my plan, then you secretly hate women because you're a misogynist. If you don't back my plan, then you secretly want the whole world to burn up due to climate change. No. If the science were really on your side, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, if the science were really on your side, you would have something better to bring to the table than that. But you're actually undermining your whole argument by resorting to logical fallacies and schoolyard antics. I triple dog dare you. I got to leave it there, though. That's enough for this episode. It is the week of Christmas. We're counting down. Saturday, of course, is Christmas Day. Friday, I've got off. I'm off this coming weekend, I think. I'm pretty sure. And when I come back to work next Monday, I am hoping, God willing, to start training on my new job as a systems integrator. God willing, we live and do this or that. I'm not going to boast even about what I'm doing today because, quite frankly, I'm not sure what I'm doing today. But Aside from work, as I come down the home stretch for the end of the year, my wife and I have ordered our new planners, but they're not really planners, strictly speaking, as we use them. Ink Plus Volt is an excellent resource that we've been using here now for the past two years, and I would highly recommend you check it out. If you don't keep some kind of a journal, of what happens throughout the year, I would just strongly encourage you to start doing that. Make that a New Year's resolution, if any New Year's resolution. It's kind of like Mater in the Pixar movie Cars. He doesn't always know where he's going, but he knows where he's been. And that's how we use these. We'll go back through... And sometimes it takes us a couple of weeks if things are especially busy, as they have been. We'll go back and we'll fill in the past week or two weeks or month of entries. 
And because my wife and I talk so much over signal throughout the day, we'll scroll back through and fill in gaps. Oh, okay, cool. On the 3rd of December, we had this going on in the morning and then in the afternoon, this happened. And then in the evening, I got a call from so-and-so and and I talked with them and, and then the next day and the next and the next and the next. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm going back through and having filled in everything to date throughout the year, I'm starting to try and assess what all happened this year, put a timeline to it. And why I would encourage you to do this rather than just tooting my own horn here, I think it is very valuable to look at trends in our lives. For one, very often when we do that, we find some of the things that we expected to happen that we thought everything was going to depend on. And if it didn't work out that way, it was going to be the end of the world. Our life would be over. Everything would be ruined. Very often we find when those things don't work out according to our expectations, the good Lord has a better plan. He has a better idea. Speaking of no, the good Lord knows the word no or not yet. But the good Lord's plans are better than our plans. His purposes are better than our purposes and unchangeable. And as you look back through a year at a time and start to see the Lord's hand working in your life, it can give you a lot of cause to be thankful, to be hopeful. It can help you to realize mistakes maybe that you've made a pattern of mistakes Before you go making resolutions for a new year, it can be very helpful to identify, hey, where are my areas of weakness? I consistently struggle with this. I don't understand that. How do I be more intentional? How do I be more faithful? How do I be a better steward of what the Lord has entrusted to me? How do I invest the talents? How do I invest the opportunities, the relationships, the life that God has given me for his glory, for my benefit, for the benefit of those around me. How do I do that in an intentional way? Well, the Ink Plus Volt journals for us have been a really great tool. And all throughout the year, as you go along, you've got a weekly view, which is broken down day by day into morning, afternoon, and evening. And then you've also got pages for each week where you can list your goals at the front. You can list your goals for the year at the beginning of every month. You can list your goals for the month. You've got monthly views, blank sheets at the very back. And then there are some really neat introspective questions, which you can get carried away with. And I frankly have not always had time to fill in the introspective question and answer portions. And even more frankly, Sometimes I've looked at those introspective questions and I've just drawn a blank. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that question. I'm going to have to think about it. So that's another thing I'm doing. I'm going back over and filling in some of those introspective questions. But as we come to the close of the year, do yourself a favor. 
get something like that. If you're not a big planner, well then maybe start with chronicling life as it goes. So you can see how the Lord's been working in your life. Be more intentional. Be more intentional in your prayers, in your study, in your exercise, in your relationships, in your way of thinking, in your way of feeling about life so that you're not carried along by every will and whim of the crowd or current events. Life is going to have setbacks. You're going to have times where people get sick. They're not feeling their best. They didn't sleep well. Having principles, having a commitment to maintaining a good conscience and a good testimony and a good reputation by God's grace can provide a lot of peace and a lot of security. But again, I got to run. That's all for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.